Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Thanks, Pastor Andrew. Oh, what a privilege it is to be here with you guys. For the last couple of years, I've heard many stories and testimonies and updates, and I actually, this is the first time I get to be here. So it feels like quite an honor. A couple of my students are here, which is very, very exciting. So yeah, I just want to honor your pastors, Pastor Andrew and Beck, and all that they're building in the spirit in this place. And I felt that strongly as I was preparing for this morning, just that God just kept giving me a picture of just brick by brick by brick that God was building something beautiful, something special, something holy here in this church family. So can we just put our hands together and thank Pastor Andrew and Beck for for all the work that you guys do tirelessly day in, day out, just building, building, building. So that's my hope for today, that I'll just get to come and lay one brick in the beautiful building of what God is doing here at City Light. So Um, Yeah, a little bit about me. I've been lecturing at Christian Heritage College now for four years, and I absolutely love it. It is my dream job talking about the Bible, and it's such an honor and a privilege. Um, But I got married last year, which is also a privilege of mine. Yeah, that is worthy of a round of applause for sure. Heck, I was 32. I wasn't sure if it was ever going to happen, so definitely grateful for that round of applause. Um, God saves the best all last. Amen. And then we jumped in a van and we actually took a three-month honeymoon around Australia. Now, our plan was to get around Oz. We only got about a quarter because it is a giant country. Like, it is huge, okay? So this is the van. My husband kitted it out and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, This is at Harndorf in South Australia. Has anyone ever been to Harndorf? It is the coolest place. This was my favorite day of our whole 90 days on in the van. It was phenomenal. So if you ever get the chance, South Oz is incredible. Has anyone ever heard of Cactus Beach before? Okay, I'll let you in on a secret. I was told not to tell anyone about this because they want to keep it a secret. But Cactus Beach is like the ultimate surf spot in Australia that no one really knows about because it's incredibly remote, okay? So if you encountered a shark at Cactus, there's no hope for you because there is nothing around. So the whole time Jed was surfing, I was out there with binoculars looking like the crazy wife that I am. I'm like, God, I've just got him married. You've got to keep this man alive, okay? Keep him alive. So we had an absolutely fantastic time together. So I'm excited for, is it Tom and Georgia? Yeah, excited for you guys. Marriage is truly, truly phenomenal. So praying that you have a wonderful day. And just a little bit of a tip, Tom, if you get emotional at the altar, Georgia, don't laugh at him, okay? I laughed the entire way down the aisle as he sobbed. And it was, it was the first argument we ever had as a married couple. He was like... I felt humiliated. So don't do that, okay? Sorry, babe. I had to bring it up. Too soon. Bit too soon, hey? So as I was um, preparing for today, you know, this morning I was just praying and was just overcome with the fact that God allows me to come and talk about the Word of God and to open it up in front of a group of just hungry, beautiful people. And I was reminded of um, my early days, right? One of my earliest memories was, um, you can take that photo down because I just want to stare at it all day. (laughs) Like, take me back. Um, God reminded me of my one of my earliest memories. And it was as a little kid, maybe three or four, I had this really weird habit 
that I would have to, before I went to sleep at night, slightly OCD as a kid, like, you know, flicking the light switches on and off 11 times. I kind of did those things. But one of the things that I did was I had to kiss my hand and blow that kiss into the atmosphere as far as it would go. And what I was hoping to achieve was that I knew there was someone or something that was responsible for my existence here on, on earth. But I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so no one gave me any any answers to that question of my soul. And I remember just as a tiny little kid, I'd have to kiss my hand like this, and then I would blow that, trying to reach whatever or whoever was out there. And I would end up just feeling discouraged because that kiss never quite reached the place where I wanted it to reach. And then at the age of 14, my family and I moved from New Zealand to Australia and we moved to the Gold Coast. And my new friends at my new school went to this thing called a youth group. Now, I'd been on the earth for 14 years and had never heard that term before, youth group. And so I went to this youth group and I heard about this God who was responsible for creating the whole world and how he, how he had reached out to humanity by sending Jesus to establish that connection so that we could have relationship with our creator God. And instantly I was like, this is the guy that I've been blowing kisses to since I was a little kid. So they're like, does anyone want to be a Christian? And like all my arms and legs shot in the air. And I was like, yes, yes, this is phenomenal. How's it taken so long for me to hear this message of the gospel? And so God took me back there this morning in prayer. And he said, Stacey, remember when you used to do that? Look how far you've come. Look at what you get to do now in partnership with me. Isn't it beautiful? So I just wanted to share that because I don't know your story. I don't know how you got here today or whether or not you believe in God. But what I do know is that we are created to be in relationship with our Creator. And as St. Augustine says, our hearts are going to be restless until they find it's our, our rest in God. And so God today is inviting you to come and rest. Come and rest in that relationship with Him because that is what you've been created for. So on that note, why don't I pray for us and then we'll dive into the Word of God this morning. Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful that you desire relationship with your creation, that we are not orphans, that we are not estranged from you for all of our days. But instead, Lord, you sent your son Jesus that we would get to have that connection with you, to live in the fullness and the freedom of a relationship with you. God, what a blessing, what a joy. Let us never take that for granted. Would you speak to us now from your word in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, what I want to do this morning for our next few moments together, and I heard that my pastor Locke Jones preached um, a little while ago. I go to the gathering and he preached for over an hour. So I promise, I promise, you're probably sweating. I promise I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm not going to do that. So what I want to do this morning is a bit of a crash course in Christian growth. So I lecture on Christian growth, spiritual formation at, at CHC. And so I want to just give you a crash course on Christian growth. And you're probably wondering, why do you want to talk about that? Um, Because I believe that this is what God wants for us, that God's heart for his kids is that we would grow in God, is that we wouldn't just stay where we are, but that he wants to take us on this journey of Christian growth. So I'm going to give us a crash course in that today so we can have a little bit of a vision and an understanding of what God wants to do in our lives. So hands up here if you want your bank account to grow. All right, 10 of us, the rest, that's okay. We'll we'll be rich while you guys remain poor. That's totally fine. Uh, Hands up, guys, if you want your biceps to grow. 
Pastor Andrew, great, love it. Twiggy's there, Sarah's there, love it. All right, um, what about, we obviously want our kids to grow. Some of my nephews, they're only six and four. They come over to Poppy and Nanny's house and they just want to be measured on a, on the wall every time. Anyone else have like a measuring wall at their house where you like, yeah, great, where you like identify how, how much your kids are growing. Uh, we want our investments to grow. We want Bitcoin to grow, please God. We want, <laughs> we want you know, our influence to grow, our social media influ- um, followers to grow. We want our businesses to grow. We We want knowledge and wisdom to grow. So we're not unaware of the fact that growth is a good thing. But I want to propose this morning that growth is actually God's idea and we see it all in nature. Uh, I want to introduce you a man named Clifford Farr. And Clifford Farr has been known as the philosopher of growth. And he's from the last century. But he says this. He says, growth is a theme in which all are interested Whether in agriculture or education, industry or politics, rate of growth is the criterion of health, vigor and success. Growth is indeed our chief index of virility. Animals grow, plants grow, crystals grow, ideas grow. This essay has grown, valleys grow, they have youth, maturity and old age. Towns grow, we are glad if our business grows. Growth then is a general principle of existence, especially of life and human affairs. John Dewey, he's another American philosopher, and he sums it up this way. Life is growth, and growth is the characteristic of life. So whether we're talking about your biceps or wheat fields or babies, we can see that growth is God's good idea. Growth is God's good idea. So we can all agree on that. But what I, want to, what I want us to see this morning is that growth is God's good idea for you and for me. That it's not just God's good idea for nature or for agriculture or for technology or medicine. That growth is actually God's agenda for you and I. Catch what the Apostle Paul says. I'll prove it to you from Scripture. Colossians 1 uh, verse 28 to 29. Paul says this. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So what was Paul's why about his ministry? What was his vision and ministry? Is that he was toiling so that Christians would become mature in Christ, that they would grow He was so committed to that that he was actually willing to die for that, to be persecuted for that, to be shipwrecked for that very vision. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Turn to the person next to you and say, grow up, grow up. It's biblical, it's biblical, grow up. In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. 
So what I want us to see this morning is that growth is not just God's good idea, but growth is God's good idea for you and for me, that it is His agenda for our lives. And so to unpack this together um, this morning, what I want to do is look at the anatomy of growth. And Clifford Farr actually looked at an embryo as a scientist, as a philosopher, he looked at a human embryo and he discovered that there's actually four phases of growth in anatomy. So in this human embryo, he, he saw there's four phases of growth. And I believe just as the Apostle Paul talks about the church as the body, you know, Paul gets a little bit scientific. So today what I want us to do is use Clifford Farr's model of growth and apply that to the Christian life. Is that okay? Some of you are like, praise God, we're getting science here. Because I was thinking that Christianity was severed from reason and facts and, and science, and it's not, right? Christianity and reason can go together. So we're going to look at science a little bit this morning. So the first phase of growth is the phase of enlargement. Everybody say enlargement. Enlargement. So this is where, um, sorry, I'm just going to steal this. This is where the cells are increasing in size and volume. Okay, don't be embarrassed, but put your hand up if you do some sort of exercise every week. All right. Keep your hand up if that exercise is, it includes bench press. All right. Got it. You know, I went to Adelaide recently and I asked the same question and one hand went up. I was like, South Australians, you need to get back into the gym. Okay, what's, what's your name? Ethan. Ethan. Okay, so you bench press. All right, how much, if you don't mind saying, how much do you bench? 175. Let's just call it 100. We'll just round it up. We'll round it up. 120, yeah. So Ethan, you go to the gym and you bench 100, you can probably get out 20 or 30 reps on 100, right? Like you're strong, you're strong. <laughs> Come on, just go with me. Obviously, I don't bench press, so I don't know what, what I'm talking about. So you're benching 100 kilos, right? And at the end of the day, you look swole. Like you're, you're like walking around your friends and they're like, what have you been doing? You're like, I've just been benching 100. For those of you who know anything about anatomy, What's happening in this moment? Is Ethan getting more muscle cells or are the cells that he already has just growing? Which one is it? They're just growing. He's not coming out having, you know, 5 million muscle cells. Now he's got 10 million. No, the 5 million are just enlarging. And so Clifford Barr looks at this, looks at the human embryo and he says, the first phase of growth is simply enlargement, that our cells just get bigger. And so how this applies to us in the Christian walk is our first phase of growth that God wants to take us on is actually to just enlarge our own relationship with Jesus. It's that we wouldn't just stay the same size that we are, but we would, we would conduct ourselves in such a way that we're placing ourselves in a situation where God is enlarging our, our walks with Jesus. So Ephesians 4, Paul says in verse 13, he calls us to grow to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we can't stay like small children anymore. In prayer, God, God spoke to me, he said, Stacey, um, I want you to share a word and the word is this, and it might be for a couple of you or just for one of you, but it was an encouragement to leave the nest to leave the nest. I was like, God, that's really weird. My husband and I are still living with mom and dad. Is this for me? Is this for me, God? Or is this for everyone else, right? And he says, no, 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 leave the nest. I was like, well, what does that mean? And what I think that means is that um, Pastor Andrew and Beck, that they've created this beautiful environment, this wonderful church. Wow, let there be light. I love it. I can see your faces. And yet the encouragement from God was 
and there's the spirit back. The spirit left, now the spirit's back. Uh, The encouragement from God was that they've created this amazing environment, but sometimes we can actually just um, rest on our laurels of what they're creating. And the encouragement from God was actually, no, it's time for you to get out of the nest, to leave the nest and to fly on your own, that God really wants you to figure out this Christian life apart from this beautiful family, that you can be a Christian out there in the world, that it's time for you to get up and leave the nest and stop relying on what is being created here, but actually walk in that outside. And so When Paul says, you know, to grow into mature manhood, I think he's encouraging us to enlarge ourselves in Jesus. That means committing ourselves to prayer and Bible reading, that we would grow to mature manhood, that we would increase in size and volume. You know, I've got a couple of nephews, they're six and four, and, you know, they're beautiful. I've known them since I've been in their lives, you know, since they were very little babies. I've carried them around since they were, you know, tiny. But still to this day, as a six and a four-year-old, they'll say things like, carry me, carry me. Does anyone hate that when the little kid says that? You're like, mate, you're like six years old. You weigh 25 kilos. You can walk on your own. But it's carry me, carry me. And I really felt from God that so often as Christians, that's what we do. We look to Andrew and Beck or Steph or the team and we're like, carry me. And God's going, mate. You've got legs. You're not a little baby in Christ anymore. It's time to grow up. It's time to become mature in Christ. And so perhaps for some of us, this is the phase of growth that we need to commit to, that we would enlarge ourselves, that we would leave the nest, that we wouldn't just rely on other people around us, but we would continue to walk this faith thing out on our own. So that's the first phase of growth. It is enlargement. But but enlargement itself does not constitute growth. That Clifford Farr looked at the embryo, he looked at anatomy and he said the second phase of growth is this thing called duplication. That in in the human embryo, cells were enlarging and then they were splitting off. Then they were duplicating themselves. He says this, growth for the biologist includes not only cell enlargement, but cell division as well. That is, in growth, there is a multiplication of the units of structure in addition to an increase in volume. So these cells are enlarging and then they're they're duplicating. They're splitting off into other cells. So what does this mean for our life in God? In Ephesians 4.12, Paul says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And what I really feel strongly for us is that we are called to duplicate our faith in other people. We obviously know Matthew 28. Who knows what Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 is? Not you. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say it. Anyone else? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. What is it? Don't be shy. Go into all the world. Yeah, make disciples, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them, teaching them. And so we have here this, you might need to teach on the Great Commission. (laughs) Matthew 28, that was a test. You guys got about a C minus. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew 28, it is the Great Commission. It is our call. It's our responsibility as Christians that we would go into all the world, that we would preach, that we would teach people how to follow Jesus, that we would baptize them. What I think 
Jesus is getting at here is that the Christian faith isn't just about us enlarging ourselves and becoming great in Jesus, but it's actually also about us duplicating our faith in other people, that this is essential for the Christian life, duplication. So what does this mean? This means that God has called each of us to invest our faith into other people, that we would see our faith grow and go far beyond ourselves. And I know for you, maybe same as me, we say things like, but I don't know enough. I don't have my life together yet. I'm not like Andrew or Beck or Steph or Sarah or Twinkie. I I couldn't do it. Can I remind you this morning who Jesus chose when he walked the earth? He chose the rabbinical school dropouts. He chose the people who other people hated and despised, the tax collectors, right? He chose the chick who once had seven demons. That's who he chose. He chose the nobodies. He chose the people who, you know, flunked out of school, the people who didn't have friends, the people who couldn't form their sentences. Those are the people who Jesus chose. So if you don't feel qualified to duplicate your faith in other people, you are the exact person who God wants to use. He doesn't want to use the flashy or the amazing or the influential or the qualified because he won't get any glory. He wants to use the dropouts. He wants to use the people who don't have it all together. So actually, you and I have no excuse not to duplicate our faith in other people. What does this mean? It means you might just have a testimony to share. You might just have a warm meal, a spare bedroom, a weekend, a, a lunchtime to invest in other people. And God is inviting you to duplicate your faith in others by using those things that he's given you to see your faith go and grow far beyond yourself. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's the second phase of growth. We've got two more to go. How are you guys doing? Tap your neighbor and again say, grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Just a reminder, grow up. Okay, growth phase number three. So we've got enlargement of cells, we've got duplication of cells, and now we've got differentiation of cells. Ooh, okay, so this is similar to specialization, okay? So cells are now beginning to specialize. That in an embryo, Clifford Farr discovered that some cells would specialize in being lung tissue, others would specialize in being skeletal, others would specialize in being, you know, neurons or whatever. He saw that there really was this differentiation that was taking place in the growth process. So what does this mean for us? It means that you and I each have a unique specialization from God, a unique gifting from God that God is inviting us to use. And if we don't use it, then we actually stall 50% along this growth process. That if you just stay in your seat and allow all these gifted people who, by the way, that was awesome this morning. If you just allow all these gifted people to do their thing and you think, oh, because you can't sing, you don't have any part to play. That's not true. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, let's go verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? If all were like Twinkie banging on my, call it a cahoot, but I know it's not a cahoot. What is it? Cajon, cajon. You know, where would the rest of the body be? If everyone was a preacher, where would be the people who are sitting out there talking to people, counseling people, feeding the hungry or homing the lost, whatever? We need everybody playing their part. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is you have a unique specialization from God. 
You have a unique gifting put inside of you from the Holy Spirit, who he is calling you and inviting you to play your part in this grand narrative of the church in the world, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a this really weird thing in my foot. And you think, oh, yeah, you know, you take your feet for granted until all of a sudden you can't use it. And unfortunately, I couldn't even walk on my foot. My foot got so bad. So my cute boyfriend at the time had to carry me everywhere. It was tragic. It was so sad. He had to ki- literally carry me around because my foot, I couldn't use it, couldn't walk on it. And I realized how important a small thing like a foot is. You might not even be a foot. You might be a toenail. I don't know, a kneecap, an elbow in the body of Christ. But we actually need everybody doing their part in order for the body of Christ to function in the world. We can't say because I'm not, you know, the face, because I'm not the smile or the brain, I I don't have a part to play. We need everybody doing their part for the church of God to be effective at the mission of God in the world. So you have a unique specialization in the body of Christ. And now as we come to point number two, we see that enlargement is not sufficient to be growth on its own. Duplication is not sufficient. Uh, Specialization is also not sufficient. The fourth and final phase that Clifford Farr saw about the anatomy of growth is is this thing called cooperation. Cooperation. Now, if you have any experience with an autoimmune disease or cancer, you will know that what's happening in the cells in those diseases is that they are simply not cooperating with one another. Think about cancer. Cancer is a group of cells that are in the body where there is no harmony between them and the rest of the body. So that's why this is such an important phase when it comes to the human body as well as Christ's body, that there needs to be cooperation within the body of Christ. So how does this relate to us and our lives with God? Ephesians 4.16, Paul says, For whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, we as Christians, we are a communal people. I'm not just a child of God or a person of God. I am part of the people of God. That God himself is a communal being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That if you cut me open, I'm going to bleed community because that is the DNA of my communal God, right? The God who is himself three persons, yet one God, that is who I've been made in the image of. So we are communal people. And as we're communal people, we need to cooperate with the body of Christ. I had this uh, beautiful moment with God in worship at the gathering a few weeks ago. And I just felt like we were on the precipice of just like utter sheer revival. I was just like, I'm coming out of my skin. And I said to God, I said, why don't you just pour it out? Like, I feel like you're just giving us little trickles. Like, why not just pour it out? And his answer to me in this worship moment was, you're not ready. You need to get your vessels ready. And I was reminded of that story with Elisha and the widow's oil. And, and she collects all these empty jars. You guys might, may or may not know the story, but she collects all these empty jars. And Elisha's like, get ready because God's going to pour out oil. So she's like, quick, hurry, get as many vessels together as you can. She comes and she starts pouring oil and she pours so much oil out into all of her empty vessels. Now the oil stops once all the empty vessels were filled. 
And God said to me, you're not ready because you don't have your empty vessels ready to collect the glory that I want to pour out. And I said to God, well, what do the vessels look like? Like, what are they? And he says, you know, one of them is just simply ministry structures. you got to get your structures ready. The second one is prayer, that I actually want to pour out my glory upon praying people. And the third one, he says, is I want church unity. He says, I'm going to pour out my glory, pour out revival when there's unity in my church. Because I don't just want revival for the gathering, Stacey. I want revival for city lights. I want revival for the church up the street, the Baptists, the Anglicans, the Catholics. I want revival for every church here in Australia. And so I share that little moment that I had with God a few weeks ago to say that unity is incredibly important in the heart of God that he wants to do something in this nation. You may or may not feel it stirring, but I believe he wants to pour it out upon a unified church. So do we have that level of unity in our hearts here with Andrew and Beck? Are we submitting to the vision of this place? Are we doing our part in this place? You know, are we competing with the church down the road or are we cheering them on and praying for them and helping and serving wherever we can? Because God wants to pour it out upon a communal, unified people. I'll invite the keys up. That would be awesome. So in application, as we close uh, today, a couple of things I want us to see. I'm not sure if we've got that picture on here, but maybe without realizing it, Paul, the apostle, was himself a scientist. Look at this. Paul was talking about the anatomy and the stages of growth, right? We see here enlargement. He's talking about being, you know, a mature man, growing into the stature of Christ. He's talking about duplication, that that God would equip the saints, that we would equip the saints for the work of the ministry in the world. He's talking about differentiation, you know, that there's some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, He's talking about cooperation, that we need to be joined and held together, that we need to build ourselves up in love. So probably unknowingly, the Apostle Paul here is unpacking the four phases of growth for the church. And he's saying it looks like all four of these things, that you can't just have enlargement, because if you just have enlargement without the other three phases, you've just got swelling. You just got a swollen Ethan over there because all he's worried about, right, is just enlarging himself. But you also can't just have enlargement and duplication because in that case, you simply just get repetition. Imagine in the human embryo, if if you got duplication, but it's all the same thing that's being duplicated. It's not going to grow to have a skeleton or a brain or muscles or organs. So you need duplication. But you don't just need enlargement, duplication and specialization. Because if you do that without any cooperation, you get things like cancer and autoimmune disease. And where there's no cooperation, you get war in nations or division in families, right? Cooperation is the final phase of growth that is so needed and so important. And so my encouragement to us this morning is what is that level of growth? What is that next step of growth that the Spirit is inviting us into? Because the good news of this message that I want to end on is that it's actually the work of the Spirit in us that produces growth. It's when we yield and submit ourselves to God, that's when the Holy Spirit comes in to make growth happen. I don't know about you, but watching, you know, a fruit tree grow or a plant grow, it's not me getting in there and stretching out the leaves. Growth is not only God's idea, but it's the power of God Himself to make things grow. I can only prepare an environment for growth, but it's actually God that makes something grow. 
Diane Chandler says this, that as God's children, we are nurtured by a loving Father through the person of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who in every way is dedicated to our overall growth and development. 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says that we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So please don't hear me say, you've got to grow. You've got to figure it out. You've got to grow yourself. No, what I'm saying this morning is surrender to the Spirit of God in your daily quiet time with God, through a small group, through coming to church and serving, as we surrender to the Spirit of God, God Himself will make us grow. So let that encourage you today. Thanks for joining us for this message. We hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church. 